The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Let me tell you something, viewers and listeners. You have caught me at a very good time in my pop culture TV watching life. All right, I am all smiles right now, and I'm going to tell you why, because I am both a sports dork and a sci-fi dork. And it's a good time to be a sports dork and a sci-fi dork because we just finished getting to watch one amazing TV spectacle, which was the Super Bowl, which was highly entertaining, both with the football contest that took place as well as the incredible high-wire halftime show that Rihanna graced us with in all of her glory. And so the sports dork in me is very happy with television lately. But on the other side of it, starting tomorrow as we record this, the sci-fi dork in me gets treated to season three of Star Trek Picard, which is going to be in our lives. So this is generally in a good mood right now. And I love being on the show when I'm in a good mood because I know that my good mood is just going to be matched by plenty other things to be happy about, not the least of which is the co-host joining us this week who always puts me in a good mood. Katie Zaccardi's joining us. Hey, Katie. Hello, hello. What a joy to be chatting with you. In addition to you, Katie, we got our guest coming up in the next segment who's going to be fabulous. Vitor Kunha's joining us. He's the CEO of music app and distribution service McGroove. That one's going to be a blast. I've heard it is the the Tinder of music discovery apps. And so I, I don't know I don't know much about your social life, about whether you're swiping left or right on things these days, but now you can do it with music, and we're going to talk to Vitor all about that. I'm very much anti-dating app. I'm sorry. I And it. let me tell you this. It is impacting my life, okay? Because that's how people date these days. Because that's how it is. That's how it is. It's so hard to talk to people and meet people in person, but no matter how hard I try, I cannot get with these apps. However... I feel like I might be impressed with this one because this feels different. You know, it's not swiping at like lukewarm, terrible photos. And this is good music. And it's and hopefully the the algorithm will get you where you need to be. (laughs) You get to swipe at awesome songs and not just dudes holding fish. True. Like Like I (laughs) sometimes I look at these dudes profiles and I'm like, do you who let you do this? You, you're not even showing. You're not even showing your face in half of these photos. I don't know what you look like. Sometimes the photos, two photos, or there's three photos on there. They all look different from each other. I'm like, I can't do this, and I quit. I download. I actually redownloaded the app the other day. I went through 50 like likes or whatever, and I did not swipe on one person. Wow. And I deleted it, and I said, nope. Not our that. co-host Katie with discriminating tastes, and why shouldn't she? Yeah, folks? I'm judgy. I'm not gonna lie. I think <laughs> I'm too judgy for the apps. <laughs> Are you feeling the same like post television happiness that I am after watching the Super Bowl? Did you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? I did watch the Super Bowl, and I will say that um, I'm not the best at understanding football, but I came the closest to understanding football this Super Bowl. So I feel like I finally kind of like got it for once. Like I cared. A you teeny, got teeny, football? Teeny tiny bit. Yeah. I don't know why. Like I am kind of a sports person. I played a lot of sports growing up, but for some reason, f- football, like my family's not a football family. And so, and I obviously never played it. So I just found it so hard to always learn the rules, especially because they stop every two seconds that it's like <sighs> going on. You know what I mean? But I had someone explain it to me this time. And I feel like I got it. And let me just say, to end the game on such a call by that ref, like, 
What a downer. Absolutely. Because it was a <laughs> it was a terrific game. Like the first 98% of it is everything you want in football. Two great yeah. quarterbacks, high scoring. And instead yeah. of getting the perfect storybook ending of watching the Philadelphia Eagles try to do like one last two-minute drive down the field to tie the game, yep. we get like stupid penalty yep. and like a, a, a kicker gets to decide who wins the Super Bowl. So Ryan, who were you rooting for? I think I was, I mean, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I'm a Dolphins fan, which means I'm never going to get to root for the team I want to root for in the Super Bowl. Okay. But I think, you know, I, I, a slight edge on the chiefs just because I think that Patrick Mahomes is super cool. And, you know, I I like Andy Reid because he kind of reminds me of a cartoon walrus and that makes me (laughs) smile. See, now you won't be able to unsee it. I don't even know who that is. I'm not going to lie to you. So the, co- I will... the coach of the Chiefs. The he, he looks you, like a... I, I learned about football like yesterday. You think I know what the coach of the Chiefs look like, looks like, Ren? Lauren, no. do me a solid. Can you find producer Lauren? Can you find us a picture of Chiefs coach Andy Reid? And I want Katie to see just how much he looks like a cartoon walrus. And I mean okay. that in the nicest possible way. Like it I... makes you smile. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. I will say I was surrounded by mostly Eagles fans. It was a little bit of a split crowd. Mm. Most people didn't care, but then there was like a handful of Eagles fans. And is my understanding that people don't like the Eagles or don't then maybe didn't want them to win because Eagles fans are annoying. But I have to say, I just felt so bad for them because they were so I hyped. They were so into the game. And then you have this horrible play or call. Like you said, they didn't have the opportunity to like, Maybe they would have lost anyway, but they didn't have the opportunity to like go out on their own terms. It felt like, and man, the energy in the room dropped. Uh-huh. <laughs> that must have been tough. And because Eagles fans, yeah. as you knew from that party, they're a passionate bunch, and so oh, yes, the, that indeed. ending must have been crushing for them. How about the halftime show? Did that do it for you, Rihanna? I love watching Rihanna. She's great. I do love Rihanna. I I am an anti-lover. I really love that album. Um, I forgot how good it is, actually. I was listening to it recently. I was like, eh, it was fine. Like It was fine? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it was good. I think that it wasn't bad, but I wasn't like raving about it. I didn't think it was memorable. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. Okay. Before I I tell you why you're wrong, um, (laughs) producer Lauren, do we have the picture of Andy Reid? So that um, she's. We do, but I've also got some side by sides of walruses coming. So. Oh, very good. All right, we'll we'll wait for those. We're gonna give me time. I'm just saying. This is why she's the best producer in the business, viewers and listeners, because she knows how to over deliver. I just asked for a picture of Andy Reid so that we could all imagine him as a cartoon walrus. And Lauren, in her brilliance, was smart enough to know, well, we got to get some walruses in here to do this right. <laughs> so we're going to wait for the payoff on that. In the meantime, Katie, yeah. Why am I Rihanna, wrong? billionaire, yeah. pop star, great, you know, uh, you know, barba- Bayesian goddess, I believe is the, uh, the word we're looking for, of our time. Very pregnant suspended hundreds of feet in the air i didn't see a harness there did you and that and that and like, you, you saw there that thing harness. was wobbling that thing that she was standing on yeah. not sturdy not yeah. up to code and yeah. she's up there singing a song I mean, that doesn't do it for you i feel like these halftime shows have spoiled you if well, that doesn't do it for you that was dangerous what she did <laughs> This is the thing. First of all, I am a Lady Gaga Super Bowl stan. So Lady Gaga came from the freaking roof of the stadium and she put on a show. Now, not saying that Rihanna didn't put on a show. I like the choreography, but there just wasn't a lot going on, I felt like. And I also, I'm going to say two things. I think, I thought it was really cool that she revealed her baby bump, but there were two really distracting things happening during her performance that And maybe this is why it was kind of unmemorable for me because I felt distracted during it. The first was all of the speculation, is she pregnant or not? I feel like the camera um, didn't zoom in like they were supposed to or something like at the beginning of the performance. So then the whole time everyone's talking, wait, is she pregnant? Wait, is she pregnant? What's going on? Oh, we shouldn't speculate if she's pregnant. Maybe she's not pregnant. It's just, it's just her body. We shouldn't speculate. But is she? Because she looks pregnant. That was like the whole first five minutes. Yeah. And then... 
interspersed was like talk about um is she lip syncing or not and i don't really know maybe you know i don't know what like the rule is or the norm is at the super bowl because i would assume that there is a fair amount of lip singing going on just because of sound, you know, like they're doing it to the whole stadium. They're also like filming it for TV. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I, if I did the Super Bowl, I would probably go with a backing track, but maybe it was our TV. Maybe it was delayed. No, but it looked like there was a lot of just like non singing happening where like she would literally just like remove the mic for 10 seconds and it would sound perfectly the same. And so I was just like, what is going on here? Like I, I felt distracted. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> that. I mean, is that fair to say? Well, 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 I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's fair. If you're like looking, look, if you're looking for a truly authentic, 100% not lip synced performance, do not look to the Super Bowl halftime show, right? That, I agree. that, that performance is all about spectacle first over seeing an incredible singing performance. And I would imagine that there is so much moving parts involved doing all of that and how dangerous it is and how many people are involved. And then it's all live and it's happening yeah. in a stadium, which is never the best in terms of sound acoustics at the yeah. last thing they want to worry about is actually having her singing into a microphone. Those things yeah. are almost always at least so, a backing track, if not completely lip synced. But I think that what you said actually like encapsulates it, which is it's more about spectacle than live singing. And I don't feel like there was enough spectacle to like distract from the fact that she wasn't singing. She was suspended on a rickety <laughs> platform. <laughs> Hundreds of feet in the air, Katie At the Zicardi. beginning, and then she came back down, and then she, like, barely danced. And then she came back up again. Ugh. Like, that ending shot with, like, all the stadium in the background, like, wide, and all the lights from all the cell phones, that was incredible. <sighs> and she I mean, was pregnant. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like a hater here, because I'm really not. Man, maybe I'll go rewatch it. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, I know Lauren's thinking, and she was pregnant. I know, I know, I know, I know. But again, I just, again, maybe that, I just felt like it was a little distracting. I don't know. I don't know. Fair I mean, enough. I don't know. Lauren, I feel but like you got, I that's think you a got cultural thing that. too, though, like, because like you have to fine. turn around and go, it does make people uncomfortable to look at a baby bump. And no, it's I didn't, not, no, 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 no. I didn't, no, I did not find don't twist my words. I did not find the fact that she had a baby bump distracting. I found the conversations that were going on around me about it hard to focus on the artistry. And I didn't really feel like her artistry was peeking through. It just felt like, okay, we've got a bunch of people in white coats. She's just dancing around. And like, she was kind of marking it. Like it didn't Whoa. feel like- Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. So how do you really feel? Whoa. <laughs> so like, I feel like I'm going to get hate mail for that. Maybe it's commentary wise, but I made the same comment that I'm, I'm hearing about. We'll put that in a tweet. About she was marking it, Katie Zaccardi. No. Well, and, and like the, she just, she their, their outfits it. weren't, their outfits weren't sleazy. You didn't have skimpy little things that were showing bodies. You had the like, I can be sexy wearing something big and baggy. And you don't have to be looking at my figure to see me dance, to see me perform, to see me sell the crud out of this. Yeah. And so like, I, I liked that statement, but I do find it interesting whether it's you saying it or everyone else and the comments combination thereof is the conversation did become less about this show and more about well their outfits didn't really show things and like did you see that she had a baby bump and you know she was doing this while she was pregnant and she and it's like yeah. in a lot of ways that's only the conversation because we've seen so much different up until now like somebody yeah. going out and doing that the conversation shouldn't necessarily be about wow and she did that all when she was pregnant which yeah. is amazing because she's a performer that just performed the crud out of something by herself. There are other dancers, but she didn't bring in extra people. And that was a long period of time. And she didn't show one flinch when she's up on that thing at a gazillion feet in the air and the wind is blowing it. And you didn't that see thing her was ever wobbling. go, ah, yeah. ah, she was like, whatever, I got this. And I was like, yeah, you do. Well, <laughs> you know what? Can I actually offer like maybe more of my feelings? And I could also be wrong on this because it might just be like, 
her personality. But I think that she just didn't seem interested. Like, I don't, she's been away from music for a long time. The most excited she looked in her performance was when she took out her Fenty makeup thing and fixed her makeup, which I loved. <laughs> that was I cool. Did too. Which I loved. That was awesome. But I have powder like, my nose. Hold on. Like I uh, to be like a hundred real, a hundred percent real with you. And again, maybe I need to go rewatch the performance. Maybe I was too distracted to like find the nuances. So don't sue me. Don't send me hate mail, okay? But I just felt like. <laughs> well, look. Luckily, like, do you feel like she was into it? Like I felt like she felt. I felt like she seemed a little detached, a little bored, a little like not like look. giving her all which again maybe it's her personality knowing know how subdued, so. knowing how rational and nuanced and kind rihanna's fan base can be i just want to say for the record <laughs> that i thought she was so expressive during that performance and no part of her choreography i would ever consider marked are you serious yeah no, i thought i, <laughs> I thought don't want hate it. mail katie oh, I don't we're gonna love that fan love base love. is rabid. Uh, but okay, off the off of the record, do you uh, off the record <laughs> and on XM Radio? Go yeah, ahead. off the record, just you, me, and the thirty-three million Sirius XM subscribers, Ryan. Tell us what you really Ryan, feel. Just shake your head if you agree with me a little bit. Just blink twice if you think she marked her choreography. Um, we have so much to get to. Um, we love you. Let, let, let's put it. All right. First of all, where's my damn walrus? walrus picture? I have lots of them. Thank you. There's your side by sides. You see? Oh, oh. we have a side by side of both. Uh, Andy <laughs> Reid. Of Andy Reid making a call as well as the Rolvers making a call. Here. <laughs> wow. I said he looked like a cartoon walrus. You're, you're throwing actual wal walruses at me. That's I could, I could turn him into a cartoon walrus. <laughs> Wait, do do Walry have like beards like that? Like yes, they have mustaches. Absolutely, yeah. have mustaches. Mean, mustaches. Mustaches. Wow. Yeah. Here. <laughs> That's a great one. The okay. First one, okay. Baby. That was yeah. incredible. Wow. Well, anyway, I, I like he. he the, I always root for Andy Reid just because that mustache is fantastic. All right, let us get the AI overlords in there and here with our with our tip of the week. The AI overlords tip of the week. Uh, with the uh, theme song that got a very, very positive endorsement from Harvard Law Professor Alan Jenkins last week. I think it's his favorite song now. Yeah, I love uh, it. For the AI Overlords Tip of the Week, we ask Chad GPT to do our jobs for us and give us a tip for the indie creators. And uh, yet again, our AI Overlord gives us a great tip. The tip of the week is build a personal brand that reflects your values and resonates with your audience. As an independent creator, your brand is more than just your logo or your content. It's the story you tell about yourself and your work, the way you communicate with your audience and the values you stand for. To build a strong personal brand, start by defining your values, your unique selling proposition and your target audience. Then create a consistent visual identity that reflects your brand and use it across all of your online and offline channels. Finally, engage with your audience and be authentic and transparent in your communication. Remember, your personal brand is a reflection of who you are and what you stand for. So be intentional in building it and use it to differentiate yourself and attract the right audience. Katie, I'm sure your coaching practice goes a lot into brand building, and I'm sure a lot of what our AI overlord gave you there uh, definitely fits in with the advice you give. I actually have a question for you. When you do this, do you give them any information or you literally just, I haven't used it yet, which I really should. You just say, give me a tip for indie creator. How does it work? The All I say is that I, I tell it what I do. Like I host a podcast for, to give advice for indie creators. That is mm -hmm. it. Just so it, just so it knows like what the subject matter is and doesn't give me like a piece of advice about how to change the oil oh in God. your car. Because that's and then all it, I give it. And then it like, it has all the data from like the interwebs and stuff. And it's right. Like, okay. It's it's marshalling all the information from all the websites the and, and gives us this. Giving me peace of mind right now is I'm just convincing myself that like 
it compiled compiled like all of my TikToks and podcasts and then made that because I'm like I that it's taking my job like literally <laughs> like <laughs> yes like exactly I have nothing to add <laughs> I don't see myself out I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting how it talked about the uh, it equated the idea of a brand being a story, right? Yeah. The way that the, the, the best way to convey what a brand is, is it's the the story, the narrative that you're telling about yourself. And that suggests that building a brand is an ongoing process because that story will continue for you. And it takes time to tell that story and that story yeah. can evolve. And so can your brand. And and I guess the the best I've seen when artists do this is they give the audience a chance to follow along in that journey and to watch you evolve your brand in real time. Yeah. And I think that's a big misconception is that like your brand is set in stone. And for that reason, I think a lot of artists put a ton of pressure on themselves to figure it all out and have it perfect. But this is actually something I talk about a lot in relation to my brand archetype quiz. You can take it katiezacardi.com slash quiz. But like, a lot of people will ask, like, I feel like I was this or I feel like I'm this now, but I don't know if I'm always going to be, you know, the romantic archetype. And you probably won't be because your interests change, your focus changes. And that means that your brand changes because really your brand is your like in simplest terms, your brand is your message. Your message is whatever you want to talk about and write songs about. And so you always have the power over that. You can change that at any time. Now, should you be changing it like willy nilly every two weeks? No, probably not. Cause that's not going to, you know, give you consistency, but we've seen plenty of artists who have like shifted their brands and their visual personas to go along with that. But it starts with that message. And that usually starts with like your interests and your values and what you want, again, what you want to talk about, and what you want to write songs about. Yeah, I I've talked about this before on the show, but when I work with artists, whether it's as a legal matter or anything else, one of the first things I have them do just as an exercise is to take inventory of the things that you're good at, even outside of music or the things about you that make you engaging or interesting, because you put all those yeah. things together. That can be the building blocks, the DNA of the brand that you can put out into the world and make yourself distinctive. And it's funny, a lot of these creators never fully uncover all those little nuggets that they have about themselves that make themselves unique, that can fill the building blocks of a brand. And then once they do, it just it's cool to watch it sort of come together for them and their eyes yeah. light up and go, oh, that interest I have in cooking or that year and a half I studied abroad in Malaysia, those things can be a part of the story that I tell my fans and uh, let them join me in that journey. That's that's cool to see. Definitely. Yeah, I had someone in uh, my audience builder group today finish her brand stuff. And I was like, OK, like, how does this feel to you? Because, you know, they'll like submit their stuff. We'll talk about it. They'll get feedback. But at the end of the day, it matters how it resonates with them, not like if I'm okay with it, because it's about them, not me. And I'm like, how does it feel? And she's like, it feels amazing. And it's actually making me excited to post. And I feel like when you get clear on what your brand is and that it gets to be fun, it doesn't have to be like putting you in a box or some weird contrived like image or messaging. It ends up being so fun and so easy because it, it's just like, oh, this is just the stuff that I want to talk about. And it's just an extension of you. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, with the few minutes we have before we have to go to break and then uh, bring in our amazing guest, uh, Vitor Kunha, I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, I wanted to tell you about my latest experience with TikTok, Katie, because um, okay. whenever anything is going on with TikTok, I, I want to talk to you about it. And as you know, I have begun the process of creating my profile and putting videos out there. I've been having a whale of a time. I wish I had taken your advice to start this uh, sooner, but I'm happy to tell you that for the first time I have a video that is semi, semi, semi viral. I, I put out a video that like more than, you know, a handful of people watched. I think it, I think it's up to about 350 likes right now, which for nice. law Twitter or sorry for law TikTok is basically Charlie D'Amelio numbers for my, <laughs> for my little sector of TikTok. And it's just been cool to watch all of these, uh, all of these things come in and just all these comments and, I, and and all these new people I'm meeting. And it's it's what I've always wanted Twitter to be, where I can put yeah. things out there and get to meet new people and get all this new audience brought in. And it's just it's been a surreal experience. 
That is so exciting. Wait, I have to go find that video and like repost it on my TikTok so that people can see it. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Well, the the idea for the video came to me because I was getting increasingly frustrated with uh, people mixing up what copyright and what trademark is, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, you know, people, you know, they're both intellectual property law. And so I often see these two terms used incorrectly interchangeably. Somebody will say, oh, uh, you know, somebody, somebody stealing your song, you'll say, Hey, that's my trademark. Or if somebody's stealing your brand name, that's like, I have a copyright on that. You can't do that. And, you know, it's it's the bane of lawyers existence. You'll see a lot of people on Twitter writing copyright and trademark are different. Copyright, and trademark are different. Copyright and trademark aren't, aren't the same, aren't the same. And I, I was like, you know, it might just be helpful if somebody wrote a song about this. And so I I got my very rudimentary uh, <laughs> D.A.W. together and like dusted off the old MIDI keyboard and everything Wow. And I wrote a very simple, very silly song about copyright and trademark not being the same and explaining the difference. Oh my I put God. that on TikTok and I thought before we go to break, I could do a rendition of it right here on the program. Please, I'm dying to hear this. Because I, I think it's useful information and uh, hopefully once the song is over, everybody will understand the difference between these two important areas of law that are very important to indie creators. So uh, let me take a swig of water here. <laughs> I'm, so I'm not the least bit nervous about this. You got it. You got it. And um, here, TikTok, so. here is the viral TikTok sensation. <laughs> uh, copyright and trademark aren't the same. Copyright and trademark aren't the same. Copyright and trademark aren't the same. I'm a lawyer, here's a song so that we don't mix these terms up because copyright and trademark aren't the same. Copyright protects the works that you create. Things like books and films and podcasts that are great. Like this one, if you want to use some content, you must get the owner's consent. If you don't do that, a lawsuit is your fate. Trademark law protects a business owner's brand. Things like company names, logos, and slogans. Unique names for goods and services help consumers make purchases. Trademark law keeps the knockoffs off our land. So in summation, use copyright to protect works of art. Use trademark law for brand names on your stuff. Let's resolve this misconception about these two forms of protection. They are each distinctive types you see of intellectual property. They're differing legislation of the IP of our nation. So don't mix up copyright and trademark law. Don't do it. Oh my. Okay. I want just a clap. I'm, I'm going to say this here now. This is... This is officially my favorite episode that we've done together. Oh! First of all, a key change. Hello. Oh my god! Like, let that me tell. I, I, I don't want to tell you how much programming that took with the MIDI to like figure that out. Because <laughs> it's, it's been a while since I've had to remember what a chord was, much how to change a chord into another key. But we did it for the people. It that was incredible like incredible i'm oh. seriously obsessed <laughs> um well well and uh i i hope unlike uh rihanna you didn't think that i marked that performance at all no you were giving your all i can tell <laughs> you made a meal of it ryan you... i know the difference <laughs> <laughs> all right uh okay and we're, we're catching our breath we're relaxing <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that was a, that was a blast. Although on TikTok <laughs> to try to satisfy like the way that particular platform works, I sped the song up and made it faster oh. on TikTok to kind you know, get it within 90 seconds and I was able to do it. And I'm, it was, it was cool. I'm going to watch the video like immediately after this, but did you sing it live on TikTok? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't uh. even like a music. I, I, I literally just like hit the play button on my computer speakers and just sang it right then and there in what I think was the highest praise, a TikTok commenter wrote that it reminded them of the Animaniacs songs. And like, <laughs> I okay. haven't like, that's like one of the nicest things anyone has ever said about me. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, Ryan, I feel like this way of delivering information is also so brilliant because like 
musicians like music, but also it's kind of like fulfilling that thing that we have in our brains, especially lately on TikTok, where like people want multiple things at once. So like they're trying to get your point, but there's also the music component. So it's like satisfying the sort of like, how do I put it? One, you know, our monkey brains. It's like satisfying that. Does that make sense? I'm doing a terrible <laughs> a, job explaining this, but. Oh, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Let us, let's take a quick break. I will, I will collect myself and uh, <laughs> we will be joined by our guest, Vitor Kunha from McGroove. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. We'll be right back. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, all you lovely humans. You can check us out on all major podcast platforms, all major live streaming platforms, and Sirius XM 145. Much love to Slam Radio. We are so happy to have you as our satellite radio home. For those of you who are curious, if you want to check out uh, more of the law silliness that one can find on my TikTok, you can follow me on TikTok at RyeTheLawGuy. Uh, Katie Zaccardi, who is much more prolific and has many more entertaining TikTok videos, is also on TikTok. Where can they find you again? Katie period Zaccardi <laughs> or Katie dot Zaccardi. However, makes more sense to you. <laughs> That's like K-A-T-I-E or K and letter yeah. K, letter T. Okay. K-A-T-I-E period Z-A-C-C-A-R-D-I. Fabulous. All right. Yeah, you, you can check us out there. We're having lots of fun on that platform as well. Let us bring on our guest this week. He is a music producer, audio engineer, and the CEO of the Music Distribution and Discovery Service, McGroove. You can find out more about our guest work by visiting artist.magroove.com. We are happy to welcome Victor Kuanya onto Break the Business. Hey, Vitor. Hey, guys. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Katie. Pleasure Hi. to be here. It is a pleasure to be chatting with you. I thought that Andy Reid had spectacular facial hair. Vitor's got him beat. You look incredible, sir. Gotta look out for the masters, right? <laughs> just, just lovely, lovely. I, I mean, if I had my whole life, I could not produce a beard quite like that. You gotta try, though. <laughs> I gotta try. Yeah, next time I'm on Ryan, you better have have put in have, a valiant effort. Have, have a beard. beard just like Vitor. Um, well, Vitor, also, that, Ryan, sorry, yeah. I'm I'm with Katie in this one. Uh, before the break, I gotta say, I was totally blown away by that key change as well. Oh, <laughs> high praise from two amazing music <laughs> professionals. Thank you both so much. I thought for sure, Katie, he was about to say, I agree with Katie. I thought that uh, Rihanna totally marked her routine during the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I was gonna, just going to back away and let the Rihanna fans just come after the two of you. See. No, I'm cool with her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Vidor knows know. better. He's not. He doesn't <laughs> want that smoke. Well, Vidor, the that magnificent beard of yours isn't the only thing that you uh, build 
you actually got started in music by building a lot of your own audio equipment from scratch, which I think is so, so cool. I wish I had those kind of skills. What is the coolest piece of audio equipment that you've built from scratch? Great. So uh, only to situate the listeners here, before my groove, before anything else, uh, once I was a musician, then I started transitioning from being a musician to uh, uh, steering away, uh, away from the stage, I'd say. So eventually became a, a sound technician. After being a sound technician, I became the, uh, an electronics and audio technician, then eventually became a music producer, starting recording my own stuff, starting re recording other people's stuff. So yeah, th there was this one uh, long period of time where I tried developing and, and producing uh, equipment for audio files. So yeah, I produced quite a list of, of, of gear there. And I think that two of my of my favorite pieces of equipment are, uh, I I say at first the one of the subwoofers we have produced. I'm not sure if you're uh, an audio nerd like myself, Ryan, uh, or if the listeners are also audio nerds or or gear nerds. But uh, we could achieve a flat response starting at 27 hertz, which is uh, very difficult to achieve. And um, in summary. Sweet bass, right? Who uh, who doesn't love the bass? Now, uh, now, now I'm on board. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what. I, 27 hertz didn't do anything for me, but you got me back in on sweet bass. <laughs> yeah, sweet bass. And I think the my my favorite piece of equipment by far is a tube amp we we produced back then. Um, so tube uh, tube technology is a technology from the 60s, which was later uh, later replaced by the transistors, which is what powers nearly everything we use today. So uh, it, it's an amplifier. It's supposed to play music. It's not a guitar amplifier or anything. I use it to listen to music. And it's a tube amp. So, you know, the, the fleshed things that look like lamps. Uh, we build everything from scratch, from the chassis to the the full circuit. To, uh, I, I, know every, I know every component in there. 100% analog, so no digital components whatsoever. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh, and wow. you, you strike me as one of those people that just likes to do that kind of stuff for fun. Like if you had the choice between building some really cool piece of audio equipment and just buying it at a store where you know like they have plenty of them, you just love to build it, right? You love to get your hands in there and know that it came together because of your two hands. That's 100% me, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you don't just build hardware, though. You build software, too. You build McGroove. Uh, from what I have seen from looking at the app and from what I've read about it, it is sort of uh, music meets Tinder and kind of creates kind of a novel approach to music discovery. Though uh, uh, Somebody gets into the app, they pick um, a favorite artist or a track, and then the AI on your platform in this Tinder-style swipe left, swipe right thing helps people discover new music. Can you tell people a little bit about the platform? Yeah, sure. So just to get things clear, McGroove is both a music distributor and a music discovery app. So on the artist front, uh, we offer a digital distribution platform. Uh, it's specially focused on indie artists. So it was specially crafted with them in mind, with their reality in mind, uh, with their needs in mind. Uh, in other words, it's an, a totally affordable platform. We charge you nothing beforehand to upload your music. Uh, it's a totally transparent platform. We, we try to be as clear as we can in communication, no small prints, no in between the lines super straightforward uh, business model, super straightforward platform. So in a way that actually makes sense uh, for the reality and for what the market needs, in my opinion. And, and so on by the distribution, listener, I should just say, you're talking about like taking artist music and putting it on things like Spotify and Apple Music? Yes, perfect. So we take the artist music, there's a quality control to evaluate everything's all right. And according to the guidelines, no copyright infringement. You know, I'm sure you've heard a lot about that, haven't you? So we don't know anything uh, about that around here. <laughs> so yeah, once it's all clear, we can upload those to the streaming platforms, and we collect royalties for every play and download the music performs. So yeah, that's digital distribution. On the listener front, which is the app, 
uh, it's a music discovery app, music recommendation app. And the idea is to help you find your next favorite song. Like you were saying in, in the, the far, first part of the show, nothing like a, a dating app, okay? Or you're not matching musicians, which I highly don't recommend. But that's another <laughs> thing. <laughs> So the idea is to help you find your next favorite song, uh, a song that will really get you hyped for for weeks, you know. So it, we decided to build it in a in a Tinder-like platform, Tinder-like interface. Uh, so you give us one song, you input one song, and then uh, we have this AI we created that will listen to your request and start recommending. 30 second snippets of songs uh, that sound like that one and it's like a tinder interface really so you either swipe left if you dislike you swipe right if you like and the songs you liked will go to to a list that you can further sync with your spotify or your favorite streaming platform to listen to the full songs there uh full songs uh i, I say full songs because we're not a player at all we're not a streaming platform we only offer the snippets uh, during the the discovery we're really, really focused on the the discovery moment and the the this new way of listening and finding music. And well, can you uh, tell us a little bit about how the AI works with it? Uh, what I was reading is that the the idea of this Tinder music discovery thing that you have is it it find it takes the songs that the user says they like and then it finds songs with similar musical elements that it thinks it might like. It uses some AI. What sort of musical elements is it looking at in terms of similarity? Great. So uh, the thing is, we want to help people find songs that they are actually looking for. So yeah. what makes it special is REI works solely based on music similarity. So other services, other streaming services or recommendation engines, uh, they work based on what we call here at McGrew uh, statistical clusters. Such a buzzword, right? So to explain that, I'll, I'll give you uh, an example to make it clear. Uh, let's say uh, you really like artist A, okay? And let's say that there are tens of thousands of people there uh, who like artist A that also like artist B. So what these engines would do is uh, they would assume it's safe to recommend artist B and that you're likely to like artist B and they would simply recommend your artist B. But that's not necessarily true, right? Uh, artist B may sound completely different than Artist A. Uh, it not, not necessarily that's a, an accurate recommendation, right? Uh, yeah. so, so here's the catch. What happens to Artist C? The indie artist just starting out, making amazing music, has no established fan base yet. What happens to, to them in one of these platforms? Yeah, they would get lost they would simply not be recommended at all. They would simply not be recommended at all. So we wanted to create an app that, that would consider music in the first place. Doesn't matter if it's popular, if it's famous, if it's not. As long as it's musically similar, we consider it a good recommendation. So, uh, by the way, you two, uh, did you ever come across a song uh, from a new artist or a song you've never listened to? Uh, that for minorities you didn't know, and you absolutely loved it at first sight, and then you went you went ahead to listen to more material from that artist or the rest of the album, I don't know, uh, and you find out that the the rest of the songs are a lot worse than the first one you heard, or in a completely different vibe. Did this ever did this ever happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super specific reason. thing, right? Yeah, yeah, like the one song's really good and then the rest is not so much. That happens to me all the time when I discover a song, when I hear it in, say, a movie or a TV show, because usually that particular song was selected by a music supervisor because it fit the movie perfectly, but chances are the rest of that artist's catalog don't really follow that same kind of theme. And so, yeah, I'll yeah. fall in love with a song and be like, oh, I got to go listen to this album because I bet there's 10 more just like it and nope. The rest of the stuff's completely different. So, yeah, I def we definitely know what you're talking about there, Vitor. Yeah, we've all been there. Anyone anyone that asked this question, they've been there. So, yeah, my groove solves this exact problem by oh. recommending songs that actually actually sound like the song you're looking for. We solve this problem. 
How, when you say sound like, what is your software doing to find out, to determine whether one song sounds like another song or has similar elements to another song? Mm. Okay, so when creating the, uh, the AI, me and Fabricio, my partner, he's a engineer by trade and has a master's degree in uh, machine learning. He's a total expert when it comes to AI. So we basically combined forces, him with the tech side, uh, and me, myself, with uh, the expertise of, of audio and music in general. And we created a, an AI that, uh, and we taught the AI to basically listen to music as a human ear would. So uh, we, we went out and we mapped inside the waveform itself, inside the audio file itself, uh, what made that song sound like what it sounds, you know? If we took two songs that we as humans perceive as as uh, closely sounding, what made them sound uh, alike? You know, so it was like a, a never-ending list of assumptions and of tests uh, of taking musical elements and uh, some some very bold assumptions there. And we basically had this job of teaching an AI to listen to music as we would listen. That's insane. <laughs> that is, yeah. See, our, our, all our AI guy does is just give us <laughs> advice for artists every week. You got yours <laughs> listening to music and like getting deep into like the, the, the attributes of that music to figure out what makes them similar. Your AI is a lot smarter than our AI, I think. <laughs> Our AI is just like, your brand our, is important. Our AI is just ripping off my TikTok content. That's right. <laughs> our, our, our AI is just reading Katie's blog every week and paraphrasing it. <laughs> oh, I, I bet that's a good AI, though. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. I love the idea. Like, it's almost like if you were to go create a playlist, which I know I do. If I find a song I really like, I want to create a playlist of other songs that fit that vibe. And you can't always, like, it's not one thing that defines the vibe. It really exactly. is just like you listen to it and you you feel it that it's it's the same. So that's so cool that AI can pick up on that. Exactly, exactly. Our thoughts exactly when we we decided to create the app. Well, it sounds like you wanting to develop this must have stemmed from some kind of desire to want to help indie creators cut through the clutter, especially new artists who are just getting their music out there. You're trying to give them away to make their music stand out. So this must be a area that you have a lot of passion about. So let me just ask you generally, do you have any advice for artists out there generally to help make their music stand out? How do you, if, if you were a new artist today putting out music for the first time, what would you do to try to get your music to be distinctive so that it can find its audience amidst all the other music that's out there? Okay, so... I think that before answering that question, I think that the true answer that most artists need to hear, most starting out, artists starting out is, let's take a step back and talk about something that barely no one is talking, which is, and which is preventing artists from doing a good job. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I believe there's an industry, industry stigma that dates back from the big record labels era, the physical media era, the CD era, uh that is that idea that you simply have to play well uh and everything will be fine so you'll play well you get gigs you simply have to go there be seen eventually get picked by a record label agent or something like that and well you, you you'd be good to go right you record an album and the record label would do the rest for you and you simply had to lean back relax and watch the cash flow in and i think well that's not true anymore but i think that this wasn't continues. particularly true back then either but yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i mean in, in general terms right yeah uh, i believe that the, that the idea and this fantasy still continues artists are, are still releasing full albums 12 track albums i don't know are still uh they still uh have this this idea that they're they would be good to go by simply creating a social media page or uh, recording a music video, and that's enough, right? But that's not true. And I think that what artists really need to, to understand as the industry is nowadays is that uh, they have to prove themselves 
before. They have to prove themselves in order to be picked, right? So, yeah, they have to go there, work their fingers to the bone, uh, and build an audience, make money, uh, build a career by themselves, all by themselves, uh, and then eventually they will be noticed, right? They will uh, be noticed. The, the, the pool of artists available has increased and is constantly increasing. So I don't, I'm talking about major labels here. Uh, they, they have the privilege to, to almost de-risk their choices by getting artists that are already validated. So yeah, yeah. I think that indie artists would achieve great results if they introspected this idea and rearranged their career by uh, accepting this and, and, and focusing on efforts that, uh, uh, that would really uh, follow this, this direction. So, I mean, what, what, can you give us an example of what that might look like for an artist in practice? Sure. So, uh, in order, uh, in my opinion, in order for you to build a career, you have to deal with several different tasks uh, in order for the business to happen, right? And these tasks, they are very fragmented. So, the indie artist today has, has to play the roles or to act like a designer, design their album covers, uh, T-shirts, they have to to understand uh, to have knowledge of um, paid media of personal uh, promotion. They have to deal with uh, with soft audio softwares. They have to act like the the audio engineer. They have also to beat the musician itself. They have to understand a little about business, a little or a lot. Uh, so these tasks they are usually very different, very fragmented, and the the artists usually excel at being a musician not uh, a specialist at the rest of the tasks. Yeah. So if the artist uh, is to is to learn all this task, uh, they would, would either uh, take a, it would either take a lot of their time or they would simply perform not not adequately. Uh, so or if they were to hire a service for each of these tasks, it would be Prohibitively, prohibitively uh, expensive for them, right? right? So the solution is they have to deal with it by themselves. But I think that's the that's how the the industry is currently working. That's how the game is currently being played. So yeah, the, the artists have have to have to gather things together and and act in this direction because. If they if they're serious about their careers, if they really want to make it, I think that's uh, honestly the 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 hard truth that nobody's talking about with with clarity. Yeah, and just the idea that nobody's coming to rescue you. Like, th there's not going to be a a manager or a record label that's going to solve all your problems, and you just have to get discovered. You have to take control of your career and make your own luck and build it uh, build it on your own terms. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting artist.magroove.com. Our guest has been Vitor Kulinya, the CEO of Magroove, a really exciting platform that is both exciting and terrifying us of what AI is <laughs> capable of. Very, very cool. Uh, Vitor, this has been a treat, my friend. Uh, we'd love to have you on again soon. Before we let you go, though, do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yes, definitely I do. Uh, I think the the greatest tip I could say is uh, focus on connection. Uh, the way that the fan uh, that the fan is willing to support you, the way that makes sense for the fan to support you has changed. So it doesn't mean uh, it's not because they're not buying your album or paying to download your music that they're not willing to support you anymore. So it has come to to a place where kind of the you are the product now the the more specifically the the connection with you is the product so the more a fan wants to connect with you the more the more they will be willing to pay for that so uh you must have ways for them to express that uh so you must offer things that they can pay for that are compatible to the level of connection they are willing to have with you so i'd say to the artist explore this, have clarity of where which fan is 
uh, of which tier, as, uh, if I could say like that, uh, each fan is located in. And don't be afraid to to explore all the all other tools available out there. So use paid media, run ads, drop some cash there. It's still working. It's still kicking. Uh, it's still effective. Learn how to expose yourself in an authentic way. It's about you. It's not only about your music anymore. So uh, good music has become almost a prerequisite. So be yourself. Uh, show what makes you unique. That's what will connect you to people. Uh, and yeah, organize your career considering all this juggling of tasks because uh, they're needed. When you're not, they're needed. So either you do them or you'll be left out. Our guest is bringing it back to authenticity and branding, mm -hmm. which we talked about at the top of the show. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, Vitor, this has been a pleasure. I am thankful to you and your excellent app and your excellent beard for joining us this <laughs> week. Uh, love to see you again real soon. Thank you so much for stopping by. The pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Katie. I got to tell you, Katie, if if McGroove can figure that piece out about music discovery, like that is that is the silver bullet in this industry, in my opinion, because yeah. that is the one challenge that you know frustrates me as a music fan. That there's yeah. so much music out there, more than there's ever been. You know, thousands of new tracks being uploaded to Spotify every single day. I always feel like I'm missing out on something new and I'm always feeling like I have, I'm having difficulty finding the music that I know I'm going to like. And so if yeah. AI can figure out how to draw a line between the stuff I like now to the stuff that's not only out there already, but the stuff that's just coming out that they know I'm going to like, that'd be a game changer for this industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes I stop discovering new music because it just is so overwhelming to do so. And I leave a lot of it for like TikTok to just bring it at me. But, and that can be great. I mean, I just remember a couple of weeks ago I was scrolling and I think somebody had used a specific song and in an instant I was like, I know I love this song. I clicked on the original audio, found the artist list immediately listened to them on Spotify. And now like that song and another one of their songs are in like constant rotation of my music and i'm thankful to tiktok for that but it's not always that easy sometimes like i mean unless you're on tiktok all day or you're on soundcloud all day or i don't even know honestly how people sound i don't know why i said soundcloud i don't know who's on soundcloud anymore trying to discover music but like if like that's what i mean it's like unless it's like your full-time job to try to discover new music it's like yeah. kind of hard to do that and this app makes it so much more accessible for people I think now we're just speaking of the lament of what happens when you get older, right? We were actually talking about this on a prior uh, episode maybe. of Break the Business. I think I was talking about this with Elisa Rockdoc last week, where mm -hmm. when you're younger, music discovery is a passive experience. It's something that happens to you. Like, yeah. just for some reason, when you're young, just like whatever's cool in music, you just find out about it, like through osmosis. As you get older, <laughs> music discovery becomes a job. Like we have to work at knowing like what is the good music and how to find it. Well, I will also say like, I think when you're younger, I was just thinking about this recently. Um, oh, I know why. So I have this like Beatles lampshade that I got in Ocean City, New Jersey, when I was on vacation one year in like freshman year of high school. And I was just thinking so vividly of this memory where I was like, that was the year I like discovered the Beatles. And so it's funny because when you're younger, there's so much music out there, whether it's current music or older music yeah. that you just don't know of. And so everything feels new. Everything feels fresh. And like, obviously the Beatles were around for decades before I like learned about them, but that was like so much music material that just changed my whole world when I learned of it, you know, not that I just learned of the Beatles as a freshman, but when I really started to like love them and dive into their stuff. So yeah, we don't get that as adults. Yeah. <laughs> We've heard it all. We've heard it all. It's hard. But, but like we also haven't. Yeah. So we got to like dig a little deeper, I think. Yeah, I was saying last week, I miss my college radio days because I was never cooler when it came to my music taste than when I hosted a college radio show. And so all the new music was just brought to me and it was my job for three hours a week to just play that music. So I always knew what was cool and hip and interesting. Yeah. And those days are gone. And yeah, to TikTok's mm. credit, 
TikTok does help a little bit. I'm I'm it actually does, yeah. better at music discovery now at 37 than I was at like 33 for the exact yeah. reason you're describing that TikTok is a pretty effective music discovery app. And let me just say indie artists, if you're listening to this, like we're telling you not only as coaches and, and you know, people in the industry, but also as consumers, like this is common. Consumers are finding new music from TikTok these days. Yeah. So you get can, on TikTok. You can find <laughs> hits like copyright and trademark aren't the same, which is just yeah. flying all over TikTok. When right are now. you going to put that on Spotify, Ryan? Because I need to add it to my playlist. <laughs> Hasn't the music industry suffered enough already? It's so let me a- ask you this. If I rip your song from TikTok and I upload it to Spotify under my name, then that would be a... Trademark infringement, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I shouldn't even joke about that. Um, People are going to be so confused. That's not what the song said. (laughs) My thanks to you, Katie Zaccardi. Thanks to producer Lauren. Thanks to Vidor Cunha for joining us this week. It has been an absolute blast. Thank you all so much for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week. 